Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson, a show that brings you regular interviews, tips and tools for building your business online. Hello and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. Uh, It's great to be with you. Great that you're here on what can only be described as a very chilly day from here in the UK. Uh, But welcome uh, to the show. This week, we are looking at leveraging the power of Amazon. Uh, We're going to get into this whole thing. I'm really looking forward to this one, actually. Uh, This is, in fact, the final episode of season seven. Yes, it is. So uh, I hope you've been enjoying the season so far. It's been a cracking season. Really enjoyed this one. Probably one of my favorites, not going to lie, and really enjoyed it. And we've got some great stuff coming in season eight. So if you've not already subscribed to the show, make sure you do, because in the new year when season eight launches, you are going to want to be around. Trust me, we've got some great guests coming on, some great topics we're going through. Uh, I'm just really excited. Really, I just love this because I get the whole thing about this podcast. We get to talk about e-commerce and digital stuff and marketing and all that kind of thing with some amazing guests. And it's brilliant for me because I get to ask them all the questions and I feel like I learn more than just about anybody else uh, when I have these. So it's just a real privilege to talk to experts from around the world about e-commerce and about how it's gonna help us grow our own online business. I say that I try and have the conversation with them that you would get to have if you sat down and had a cup of coffee with them. Maybe we should rename the show e-commerce chat and coffee or something equally benign as that. I don't know. Anyway, let's move on. (laughs) So this week, as I said, we are talking about all things Amazon. So do you have goods that are in demand on Amazon? Well, if so, you are not alone. There is a huge opportunity for any business owner, mompreneur or entrepreneur who has products they want to sell online, especially on Amazon, especially following the pandemic. It has been colossal, right? So the question is, how do I manage all of this? And what are some of the things that I need to know? So that's what we're going to dig into uh, with this week's guest, Chelsea Cohen. Uh, in, like I said, the final episode of the podcast uh, for this season. Um, All that we're going to do, by the way, is just take a few weeks off and then we'll be back early in the new year. So don't panic. It's not the end end. It's just a little break before Christmas. And what a way to go. What a way to close out the season with Chelsea as she is going to share her secrets to how to leverage the power of Amazon with inventory management, or if you're listening from the States, inventory management. We do like to pronounce this word in several different ways, just to keep it interesting. Uh, We hear buzz terms like customer demand, warehouse management, supply chain management, Amazon fulfillment renters, third-party sellers, inventory management strategy, and so on and so on. And if you're like me, honestly, when you hear words like that, what do you think? Boring, right? Boring alone. But let me tell you, having done e-commerce now, for a pretty long time, let me tell you, massively, massively important topics to get your head around at any stage if you want to be successful online, especially with Amazon, because trust me, it can go wrong very, very quick. So let me tell you uh, a little bit about today's guest. Chelsea is an Amazon inventory management expert, and that's not easy to say, let me tell you. Uh, she is the co-founder of SoStocks.com, uh, which is an Amazon inventory management software. Uh, Chelsea herself, right, is a Sega... Let me start that sentence again. Chelsea herself is a seven-figure Amazon seller herself. 
So she has walked the walk, so to speak. Uh, she is also a speaker and a consultant and coach and all that kind of good stuff. And we are going to get into everything with Chelsea. So without further ado, let me bring on Chelsea Cohen. Chelsea, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's great that you could be here all the way from sunny Austin, Texas. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's actually kind of kind of dreary out today. We're finally getting some fall weather. Finally, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I let's not trade temperature stories because I'm sure we're going to lose massively <laughs> on the old temperature thing there. Now uh, you're from Austin, Texas, uh, which I we were talking uh, about before the start of the show. I've never actually been to Austin, been to Dallas many times. Uh, and I was subsequently told, uh, and uh, maybe this is true, maybe it's not, but Austin is is uh, a, a much nicer city than Dallas in every way. So uh, I definitely need to go there at some point. Austin, yeah, there's a lot of people moving here and there's a reason. I mean, you know, Texas is great, but Austin is is the best. Yeah, the best city, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, let's go with that. Why not? There's, um, uh, there's a food uh, in, in Texas. The Texas barbecue, I, and you understand mm-hmm. I appreciate this as a podcast about e-commerce, but can we just wax lyrical about how yes. incredible you guys do the barbecue? It was the first time I'd ever seen a barbecue which was the size of a semi-truck. This thing was colossal. It, you know, mm-hmm. it cooked like 40-odd cows or whatever it was cooking at the time. It was insane. I'd never seen anything like it, and the food was extraordinary. So yeah. I can see why you love it. It's shocking that it's just salt, pepper, and smoke. Like, yeah. you eat it, and you think there's got to be something else going on, but that's it. It's just mm-hmm. the meat, salt, pepper, and smoke. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't know how to do it, but I, I, I know how to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the main thing. That's well, yeah, it's um, it's it's incredible. The and the and the the guacamole and oh, jeez, I'm just going back in my head now to the last time I ate in Dallas, and it was phenomenal food. So, uh, very very envious of both the weather and the food you get to eat in Austin. So, uh, thank you for taking time out from the dinner table to come and join us uh, on the show. Right, yeah. Much appreciated. <laughs> So how was your story? Um, I mean, you know, I, I said in the intro, in the notes I've got here, you're a seg- seven-figure Amazon seller yourself, right? So what's your story? Did you start off in Amazon and then just then go, I've got a huge problem, I need to write some software, or was it the other way around? Yeah, so I started selling in 2014, and it was just going through, you know, going through the business and, you know, year over year, the margin crunch, just where is my where's my profit going? So it was looking at my, you know, 2017, you know, profit and loss statement and saying, you know, it's the margins are getting worse. What can I do about it? And realizing that although I can't control what Amazon decides to charge me in fees, I can't control what happens with my competitors. What I can control is avoiding stockouts and not over ordering and paying all these storage fees and uh, loan interest on inventory costs and all of this stuff that I that were just basically really bad mistakes. When you make a when you make a mistake with inventory, it becomes very very expensive, either in stockouts or in fees, mm-hmm. uh, because of your 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 overages, right? So I decided, well, I've got to figure this out and dove into inventory. It became a whole other job. Just so much time that was being wasted putting together these inventory projections. 
and I realized there's got to be a better way to do this, looked for softwares. The software that I was trying wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. So I went into the mastermind community uh, that of other sellers and asked them what they were doing. And they kept saying, you know, everything, nothing works. Everything sucks. We're back to spreadsheets. <laughs> and that's, you know, and if you ask most people what they use, they still, most of them still use spreadsheets. And it was because nothing was working right. And I figured being an entrepreneur, that's, an opportunity, you know, mm -hmm. entrepreneurs are taught to find something that a problem that needs solving and go solve it. Yeah. So I decided that was what I was going to do, but I had no, no experience in software at all. And I really didn't want to find someone on Upwork to lie to me about how, you know, <laughs> we've all been there. We've all, we all feel your pain. Well done. Yeah. 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 So, so I thought, okay, well, fine. I'm just going to meet someone who can do this with me. And it sounds very airy fairy, but two weeks later, I met somebody to do it with me. And uh, it was the founder of Thomason.com. If you ever uh, used Thomason back in the day, 2015, Thomason was being used by a ton of Amazon sellers to get video reviews because Thomason connects brands and influencers. And so people were using that as a tool to do that in 2015, 2016, that all changed because of the review, uh, the, the terms of service for Amazon reviews changed and that was no longer allowed. But uh, long story short, I met I met him in 2018. We showed up at an event, the speakers at an event. He kept saying he was bored. He needed a new software project. I had a software project that I wanted done. I somehow convinced him to do it with me. And you know, three years later, uh, we have built so stocked into what it is now. And uh, we also have never ever seen each other again in person. Really. Yes. Wow, that's an extra. <laughs> Obviously, he's not yeah. a big fan of Austin, Texas. Then I, I. I... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, help that I was in LA for some time. And then he, you know, and then COVID happened. But yeah, we just, you know, everything has been virtual. And um, we've built the company, we've talked, we talked like, multiple, you know, every it was every week or multiple times a week, it just depends on what's needed. But it's, you know, the the way that this world is, you never know who you're going to meet and how it's going to, how it's going to change the trajectory yeah. of your business life. That's such a, I mean, it's very true. I, I've just sold my, um, I've just sold one of my e-commerce businesses. Um, mm -hmm. And the the business partner I had there, uh, the story of how we met was just extraordinary. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's, and you, and you just never know where something's going to go. And somebody comes in and says, oh, I need, or uh, this sucks, you know, I think was your exact phrase. And you just, you just, you never know where that statement can lead you when you sort of follow it along. Uh, yeah. And um, it's just quite extraordinary. And I I like that. And I think that's how most people work. It's just certainly most entrepreneurs. It's like, I see an opportunity. Words like that sucks almost become music to your ears because you're like, oh, what can I do here to res resolve this? Right. So um, so you started out. What Can I ask what were you selling on Amazon in 2014? Uh, yeah. Kitchen oh, products. So oh. kitchen, kitchen. kitchen. Uh, kitchen gadgets yeah yeah sorry that was my uh siri joining in the conversation then kitchen gadgets uh was what you were uh selling online and yeah. why did you decide to start selling kitchen gadgets online was that just yeah it an was, interest 
I wasn't, it wasn't even on my radar selling on Amazon. I wanted a business. And um, so I got roped into a multi-level marketing company and we were going around from bugging our friends to join our deal. And our friends kept saying, you know, that that's great, but I'm committed to this course. They teach you how to sell on Amazon. So our ears perked up. We started asking around and we had a friend who was who had done this course previously and she was now doing 60,000 a month on Amazon, no experience. And we thought, well, if she can do it, we can do it, you know? And so we decided to do it and um, launched a product within seven weeks of signing up for the course and made a sale before we even had inventory in stock, which is a whole other story in itself. Uh, but yeah, the first product took off and, you know, started, started things out for us, we were able to quit our jobs and go full time and all of that. So have you, uh, I mean, Amazon of 2014, uh, yeah. I imagine looks very different to Amazon of 2021. Um, yeah. Is it is it a case of these days, uh, someone can just go literally from zero to hero, from zero to 60 grand in a month, just watch a course and away you go? Or is it, as I suspect, probably slightly more complex than that these days? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely harder. You have to, there's more rules that you have to follow. Um, There are people that can go, you know, that can launch a product and have extreme success uh, quickly if they know what to do and they are following the right people and following the right things. Um, But it is definitely more challenging. You know, the the reviews back in the day, we used to, a person didn't have to buy the product. We went, literally went and said, hey, here, try this. This is my sample, test it out, write a review. And they didn't have to buy the product. Now you have to have verification. You have to, you know, you can't, there's review manipulation um, rules. There's now ranking manipulation rules that we've recently, Amazon has been slamming, uh, slamming down. Some of these guys who had software that was connected to Amazon lost their API connection. Mm. Just basically due to, you know, the fact that they don't want any of these, you know, incentivized or or ranking manipulation, they call them ranking manipulation by giving, giving out rebates to drive sales to boost up the ranking. So there's all of these regulations that you need to understand. It gets, does get a lot more complicated, but if you know how to kind of steer between the lines and you follow, there's a lot more very brilliant people nowadays to follow, though. I will say uncharted territory. There was, you know, one course and everyone did the one course. And now there are a lot of really smart people that are available. A lot of times you will have to pay to get into their, their masterminds, but it's often worth it versus falling on your face and failing and never, you know, (laughs) getting off the ground in the first place. So that's, I mean, that's a really interesting point. So if I were, I'm just thinking of people who are listening to the show, um, Chelsea, if I'm Mm -hmm. honest with you, and I'm thinking um, there for me has been an insane amount of interest in things like Amazon recently because of the pandemic, right? And people wanting to get, for for want of a better expression, wanting to get on that gravy train. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember when I first started out in e-commerce, it was... I mean, if you had if the the main barrier to entry was obviously the website uh, and creating a website in early 2000s was not straightforward at all. Uh, you, there was no Squarespace. There was no Shopify. But if you could get over that, the barriers to entry after that were relatively little. And you could you could do a lot of interesting stuff 
apparently just by being alive. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was just like uh, you yeah. build it and they came and it's no longer that case. And you can obviously still build e-commerce businesses. I still do. But the mm-hmm. rules of engagement are very, very different to what they were, say, 20 years ago. And I just I, the reason I asked is I, I imagine it's the same for Amazon. So do you are you an advocate of and please feel not free not to mention any names or anything like that but if you're if someone was coming to you uh like a close friend or a relative or something said i wanted to build an amazon business um are you an advocate of one doing that if they've got a reasonable product and two before you do go and learn something from these guys over in this mastermind course it's worth the investment yeah so um First of all, yes, if it's if you have a reasonable product and you have the right mindset, there are, you know, it's not a get rich quick thing. It's do you want to do this as, you know, a a, a legitimate either side hustle, because usually they, those things start as a side hustle yeah. and you're willing to put in the time and you're willing to not go to the barbecues for a while and not go out to the movies for a while. And you're actually going to build something and uh, and then see it grow. It's not this set it and forget it type of thing. Things are changing all the time. So. First of all, what do you actually want that type of business? Are you willing to sometimes work harder than you're working now at your nine to five? Uh, you know, it, that's just the truth of it. And sometimes people think that it's this easy thing that you, you know, can do. So first of all, is this something that you feel is, you know, your career path? Mm. And second of all, you know, um, there are a couple of, I mean, there's a lot of different different people who you could go listen to, but uh, Two of the two of the mastermind groups that we have had a, a lot of people come come to us through. Uh, one of them is the Titan Network. Titan Network was uh, run by Athena Severi and Dan Ashburn, mm-hmm. and they have the the thing that I really like about the Titan Network is they have um, a structure for helping each section to grow. So if someone's just starting out and they need to get their product, they have training on that but they also have these these group huddles where they meet on a regular basis and if someone's not getting their product and they need a talking to (laughs) like athena has gotten in there and said hey you guys you need to pick your product like Mm -hmm. what are you doing quit quit right now if you're not going to pick your product Mm -hmm. and you know and sometimes people need that and and it gets you know and it causes people to actually take action but then once they're at a a different level they'll move on to another group and they can graduate on to these different groups so that is extremely valuable um the the key is to pick the right type of group for you you know we have a lot of different people some people just focus on helping uh people who are in a certain income you know uh, sales bracket so there's a group called the million dollar sellers group which is great for some of these guys that that come through us and say hey i'm looking for a group that is doing you know seven figures seven figures a year then there's a million dollar sellers group uh which is also very uh, a very beneficial mastermind type mm-hmm. of group um so those would be like first first places to start i mean i started with a, a course called the amazing selling machine way back in the day they're still around uh, amazing.com and uh, so those are kind of some of the places that a beginner would start and then there are mm-hmm. people that you can follow afterwards oh, that's very helpful advice uh, Chelsea, thank you. So, um, so you started your business 2014, and you you started to experience these problems around inventory or inventory, mm-hmm. um, inventory inventory. I, I get so confused now. I'm going to pronounce this word so many different ways. Um, you you sort of started to see what were some of the problems that you started to see that you felt like you needed to solve. 
Yeah. Stocking out, you know, stocking out for say a, a month at a time sometimes, or, or I had a problem with Amazon, uh, not getting my inventory checked in before Christmas. So we lost a whole Christmas worth of sales, ordering too much of a product, having taken a loan out to pay for that inventory. And then having it not sell like we thought it was going to sell and paying on loan fees on that, paying storage fees on that. Just all of those those things that I call it death by paper cuts. You know, when you when you put that money out, you think, you know, okay, it's not bad. You know, oh, it's just this and it's just that and it's just an extra yeah. fee here and it's just a mistake that caused me $2,000 there. But eventually all of that eats up all of your profit and, you know, you have been working really hard and you say, well, where is all my money? And that happens to so many people. And it's not something, the supply chain, the inventory portion of things is where I noticed I could probably have the the greatest impact on my bottom line. Yeah. I think uh, one of the things that I noticed uh, in our business, when we moved, um, we, we did a really significant move in our business and our business model uh, and the warehouse, like, I mean, everything changed around 2011, 2012 for us as a business. Um, mm -hmm. The one that I just sold. And I remember we'd set up this new warehouse system and uh, there was this huge bag in the corner and I'm like, well, what is that? You know, what's that bag? Oh, that's all the products that have been returned all the all the parcels that have been returned to us. And I'm like, well, why have they been returned? Uh, and it, they were returned because we'd sent them the wrong product or because, you know, the mail company had screwed up somehow. Um, and we were like, I did some calculations. I remember sitting down that afternoon and we totaled up all the products that had been returned to us because we'd sent out the wrong product. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was colossal. It was like, it was because I had to pay not only um, for the postage there, I had to pay the return postage. There was yeah. the customer's dissatisfaction. I have no idea what the cost of that was, but there was all kinds of things going on. I couldn't use the product. Anyway, we totaled up the cost and it was thousands. It was, Every month, thousands was going out the door because yeah. we were just, the guys picking and packing were just not doing their job well. So we made some changes. It cost like two grand to make these changes to my warehouse. Um, and it changed. And we saved like thousands every month as a result. Um. Yeah. And so I, I get what you mean with this sort of death by paper cut thing and this whole um, inventory management, because it's like a simple thing that I would not have thought about had I not seen for my own eyes this bag in the corner. Yeah, it yeah. was just because you're right. It's just, On its own, it's just one parcel. There's a couple of quid or a couple of dollars and you don't really think about it. Yeah. Collectively, it's thousands going out the door. So I, yeah. I understand that statement very well. Yes. So, yeah. um, so I get, I mean, the question we've got here is why do sellers need an Amazon inventory management solution? Why, why, if I was going to sell on Amazon, why would I do that? I know that there are, I mean, you've mentioned, you've touched on some of those problems. Are they going to affect me if I'm just starting out or are they just for the, the big boys? Uh, I, I think that someone needs an inventory management um, system even when they're just starting out, we, our tool, we, we'll say, you know, maybe it's not ready, right for you. We focus a lot on, there's more complexity to our mm -hmm. tool, adding your marketing, adding, you know, your, your other warehouses, you know, marketing and selling across multiple different marketplaces across the world, all of those things. So people starting out in, in Amazon may be able to just use one of the 
inventory modules of a, like we call them software suites, like a Helium 10 or something like that, where they can do their keyword research, they can do all of these different things. And then there's a little bit about inventory. Those are not complex tools. When you start getting into more complexity across your supply chain, or if you just want to set um, set it up right from the beginning and you're scale minded, that would be something where you would want a more complex tool. But regardless, you need some sort of system to be able to tell you when to place an order, when to ship. You know, we used to be able to send things straight to Amazon, and Amazon has created inventory restrictions. They're called restock limits. And so basically, they have said, you're no longer allowed to send anything that you want, which was not the case for the bulk of our careers on Amazon. It started in 2020, where they said, okay, we've got restrictions. Now you can only send X number of units. So sellers now have to keep inventory in a third-party warehouse. And so they need to know they now have what I call simultaneous forecasting, which means you need to know when to order from your Chinese supplier, because most people are sourcing in China, but you also need to know when to ship from your third-party warehouse into Amazon, because you're you've got Amazon has your inventory and you've got inventory that now is being held outside of Amazon. Mm. So you have an order forecast and you have a transfer forecast. And that in itself is complexity, but then you add more SKUs and you add more uh, regions if you're selling in Europe and then we had Brexit and, you know, you have to do a separate calculation for Brexit. And now you have, you know, if you're selling in Canada, Canada is a whole other thing and they have a whole other limit on their, you know, because they have less warehouses and they're shutting down their warehouses all the time. So it's all of this complexity that goes on. And now a lot of people have to do their own fulfillment where they have a company that they use to do what's called fulfilled by merchant because Amazon has these restrictions or they're not reliable at checking in their inventory. It takes five weeks to check in inventory at Amazon. And so people can't rely on Amazon being their only distribution center, even yeah. if it's their only channel. That's a really interesting, I, I, I wouldn't have thought, um, and maybe this is my naivety, Chelsea, I wouldn't have thought that Amazon were having issues such that you've talked about, it sounds like one, they're running out of space and two, mm -hmm. they're not getting stuff checked in as quickly as, as possible. So the whole one of the, I mean, there's, when I think about would I want to sell on Amazon, there's a number of things that appeal to me. One is obviously their customer base. Uh, it's, you know, it's huge, it's colossal. And two is the ability to use um, fulfillment by Amazon because of Amazon Prime, right? It's a big deal. And so um, has that become a lot more complex now? And, and and do you know why? Yeah, and it's interesting. One of the things that I've started saying is that your warehouses, like your third party, your your external warehouses, and your your shipping agents, your carriers, are some of your best allies, and not not enough of us are utilizing them. Mm. Because I started asking those questions. You know, I did a a, a small event here in in Austin and one of, and I was responsible for putting together the inventory panel. So I reached out to my 3PL owner, had him fly out and I said, let's talk about what can we talk about with this inventory? I really want to talk about trucking because we're going into the fourth quarter. We, we, we need to know what is happening with trucking. Our stuff is already on a boat or it's here. How can we make sure that we don't run out of stock mm -hmm. from this to the end of Christmas? And he started talking about how Amazon is built 
what, why are we having these delays? And Amazon's created something called Amazon Freight. They bought hundreds of truck trailers and they will let trucking companies or independent truckers sign up, say, I'll be a driver and I'll drive some, some freight into Amazon. So they'll drive the freight, but they are contractually bound. And it's a similar thing with something called a Amazon Partner Carrier. When you sign up for Amazon Partner Carrier, you get a much cheaper uh, freight, much cheaper shipping. But what Amazon has contractually bound these truckers to is you drive your stuff up and you drop it. You drop your, your, your trailer, you can pick up an empty one and you can leave. And that was working really well until it wasn't. They started having labor problems and they have had their turnover from J July to October. They, they, there were 350,000 workers that ended up quitting days or weeks after starting. So they have wow. had this crazy amount of turnover. They're getting, you know, the California is breathing down their neck about their labor, um, their, their labor inequities. And so they have this labor problem. They can't unload those trailers fast enough. So these truckers, they have to drop their trailer and they're leaving and there's no empty trailer for them. And so, and then those trailers just sit there and they don't get unloaded. And that's why you have, okay, my stuff has been delivered for five weeks and it still hasn't been checked in. It's because it's sitting there in, in a parking lot somewhere. Um, whereas non-Amazon partner carriers, the ones that are not contractually bound to drop their trailer, they are able to pull up to the loading dock and unload their stuff. So even if they're the delivery time, because they each have an appointment, if they get a later appointment, but they can, but you know that at the appointment time, that's when your stuff is actually going to get mm -hmm. checked into Amazon. I started talking about what I call net check-in time, which means even if your delivery date is later, the net check-in time is a lot faster with these non-Amazon partner carriers. You're paying more, but your stuff is getting checked in and you're not stocking out. So you're continuing to make sales. So it's one of those things where for years, the, the obvious choice was Amazon partner carrier. And it was only me having this conversation with this 3PL owner that I actually discovered what we've been doing and we've been, you know, you go on Amazon, you create your shipping label, you send it to your warehouse and your warehouse ships it out. Your warehouse doesn't have time to call everyone and say, hey, by the way, there's a new way that you should be handling it. They're just busy trying to get boxes out of in and out of their warehouse. So talking to these people, it could be three, three months from now that that's completely cleared up and that Amazon partner carrier is the better choice because it's cheaper. But right now it's not. That's what's all the all the chaos that's happening at Amazon uh, that we're dealing with right now. That's really uh, that's fascinating, especially because I'm thinking, goodness me. I mean, in the UK, uh, yeah, I don't know if you're familiar, but we've had uh, issues with um, uh, we uh, truck drivers, lorry drivers. Uh, you have mm -hmm. to have a special license to be able to drive these huge vehicles up and around the country. Yeah. And thanks to Brexit, thanks to the pandemic, we haven't actually got an awful lot of truck drivers at the moment. And so deliveries are taking longer. Um, of course, we've got the pandemic. The shipping containers are a small fortune now because you can't get them in and out of the docks quick enough because of the labor shortages. Um, yeah. And so there's this huge backlog we've now got to work through, which is what happens when you put your whole country in lockdown, right? Just these, yeah. there are these consequences we don't we don't really fully understand until they happen. Um, yeah. 
And so parcels aren't getting delivered as quickly as we would like. And um, it's interesting that Amazon are also struggling with this, especially, you know, due to labor shortages, especially as we're coming up to what can only be described as the craziest time of the year for just about every online business. Thanks to Amazon, actually, who created the whole Black Friday phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's fascinating. And then there's Christmas, of course. And uh, again, Christmas is great, the pre-Christmas rush. But the last two weeks of December, you may as well forget about it because no one's going to do anything. Everyone's away on holiday at that point, right? Yeah. So it's um, it'll be interesting to see how long it does take them to recover from this uh, chaos. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to see more of it for sure in 2022. They just put out um, a statement that they are, they now have more warehouses in the US and that space is not a problem. Um, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it trickle down to us. And mm -hmm. there's still, you know, whether it's a, a PR statement or a true statement, we haven't seen it. And it's probably because even if space isn't a problem, labor is a problem. Yeah, and there's obviously the backlog, which is also a problem yeah. in resolving the mm -hmm. whole backlog thing. That's really interesting. So this is where your uh, Amazon inventory management solution is actually quite important because of all this chaos going on. And just going back to perhaps something that you said earlier on, this is where a mastermind group would be really helpful because you can talk about this stuff, can't you? Otherwise, you're yeah. just stuck into this default way of doing things. And it's like, hang on, it's been delivered, but it's I'm, I'm out of stock five weeks later. What's going on, guys? You know, and... Amazon don't want to talk to you because it's all computers. And so I, I, I can see now the benefit of these of these groups, especially when you're so dependent. Let me ask you maybe a question which is a little bit uh, off piste. If you are starting out today selling on Amazon, you were you were starting your own business um, again, because, you know, the name, the marketing, the, the, the customer base. Um, Amazon Prime, you know, assuming that Amazon could take your goods, you can use their delivery systems. Would you would you throw all your eggs in that basket or are you going to say to yourself, I'm going to do that on Amazon, but I'm going to set up my website here and I'm going to um, I'm actually going to maybe ship that stuff through Amazon Prime and I'm going to ship my stuff separately or maybe even sell stuff on Amazon, but ship it yourself. I don't I don't know what the what your thinking is on this at the moment. Yeah. Um, starting out, I would say definitely focusing on Amazon. It's a completely different business model to have a website versus Amazon. It's a completely different skill set. And so you'll have Amazon sellers where 98% of their business is Amazon. They have a website, but they it's a different skill set. There's mm -hmm. some products that don't do well on your own website, you know, commodity products that don't have their own unique you know, unique positioning, um, people aren't going to seek you out. The Amazon has that trust. They do have the, the audience. It's, there's, it's a different way of driving traffic. The traffic is already there. It's just getting your, your product, you know, in front of mm -hmm. those eyeballs. Whereas it's a lot harder to get someone to trust you and put your, their credit card into some random website. And then, if you charge them for shipping, you know, I know that I usually bounce if I don't get free shipping. And Amazon has kind of conditioned us to think that way and to yeah. feel that way. It's easier to just, you know, get it on Amazon. Um, so, you know, I would say focusing on Amazon, definitely taking advantage of FBA and also having an FBM backup, even if it's just, you know, where you would send inventory if Amazon couldn't check your stuff in. 
when you say FB, I, I understand FBA fulfillment oh, by Amazon, yeah. FBM, what's FBM fulfilled by Matt? I don't know. <laughs> fulfilled by merchant. So it's okay. fulfilled by you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's interesting. So despite all the pain, despite all the agony, this for you is still a good road to go down. Um, just mm -hmm. understand the the boundaries in which you're operating um, yep. get yourself a good inventory management solution and just understand there are things there are there are different sets of problems aren't there that you're going to have to tackle with Amazon it's not mm -hmm. plain sailing so with all of that said right I've, you've got all of this going on at the moment how do you even analyze your inventory how do you know what's working what's not working yeah so the first thing I mean really inventory it's it can be very complex because there's a lot of moving parts but Really, the things you want to know is how much do I need to order or send and by when? And those are basically the two things. And then, of course, logistics is how do I send it? Mm -hmm. um, the, the how much do I need to order is all based upon getting this the first number right. And that number is your daily adjusted velocity. So it's how many sales I'm in my how many units am I selling per day of this particular product? We call it adjusted velocity because sales spikes that are not going to recur and stockouts are supposed to be factored out of that. So if you've stocked that, if you're looking at your 30-day average and you want to say, okay, my daily adjusted velocity based on my 30-day average is X, but if you stocked out for five of those days, then you need to reanalyze that data and adjust it to ensure that your average doesn't include that stockout. So daily adjusted velocity would be the first thing to understand and to get right. And then it's how many days of stock do I need? And usually days of stock are based on how, how much you need to order. Like what is your lead time? From the point I order to the point it arrives, you know, maybe that's 60 days. Take 60 days to get my inventory into Amazon. And then I want an extra cushion. So you have your lead time, how long does it take? And then you have, what is my cushion? I want an extra 30 days just in case anything goes wrong. Mm -hmm. So I want 90 days of stock. So when you place your order, you place your order knowing that you have to have 90 days before you stock out. And that's those are the, kind of the basic formulas for figuring out inventory. That's that's fascinating because I mean I'm it's fascinating talking to you, Chelsea, because I, I my experience with Amazon is uh when we sold on Amazon, we sold to Amazon and Amazon sold it themselves. So they just sent me an order. They're like, I want this product and I want it delivered at this location at this time. I'm like, okay, cool, yeah. there you go, have at it, right? That was easy. So my whole experience of selling online is very much a case of um, I have the stock. I'm going to ship the stock to you. You're going to buy it. Uh, you'll enjoy mm -hmm. it, hopefully, and not return it and come back and buy again. So I've only ever, I think the maximum amount of stock I've ever carried uh, in my whole uh, e-commerce uh, life, this is going to change slightly going forward, but up until now has been nine days. So when I wow. hear you talk about 60 days worth of stock, I'm like, how do you even, right? How how, <laughs> how do you even sit there and think in, in June, July, right, I need to order my stock for Black Friday. How do you, I mean, that would just send shivers down my spine. How do I get that right? How do I think about that? Yeah. So you need, historical data becomes important if it's a new product then usually you can look at okay well what was the increase historically for our other products or similar products you can say okay well at 200 percent increase for prime day so you can start planning those things out you set um and our and our 
you know, software created something, we, we created something called an inventory timeline. And I think I've never seen it anywhere else, but I think it's crucial. It's, you know, for, for a whole year or, you know, whatever time period you're looking for, looking at, let's plan out into the future. If I know that it takes 90 days for me to get inventory from point A to point B, then I'm going to have to plan at least four or five months into the future. So you look at historically, what have you done? Um, and, and what is your daily velocity? And then you look at the, all the sales along the way. That was a big piece that was missing for Amazon marketers. We're marketers first, and we like to try new things. And so we would market in a vacuum and we wouldn't plan these things out. And I had a client um, who he did a, a sale and it was a Mother's Day sale and it was on a whim. So well, Mother's Day sale, let's do send a bunch of emails out. And the next day, the next month I say, okay, what about Father's Day? He goes, oh, uh, we're canceling lightning deals. We're running out of stock. And it was because he did that Mother's Day sale on a whim. Now he's pumping the brakes, running out of stock. Well, he just gave 20% off coupons on inventory that he could have sold full price and not run out of stock. Mm -hmm. So being able to create this timeline and planning out, do I actually have enough inventory to do this? If I'm going to run an ad campaign, am I going to run out of stock? And you know, being able to plan those things out and tie your marketing plans to your inventory plans and play it out for the next six months to a year becomes extremely important, especially when it takes so long to get inventory restocked. Yeah, that's such a good point. Uh, so planning that out, I mean, we uh, I'm involved now in a with a company where I have to think about manufacturing, which is a whole new world for me. I, you know, you go from nine day stock to thinking, oh, there's a six month lead time on some of these products, you know, that we get manufactured. Yeah. Um, there shouldn't be, but there is just because of the pandemic and and and, and stuff that we're living. And you you're kind of thinking, have I got enough stock to carry me through the next six months? It's, it's <laughs> yeah. It's such for me, it's such a different way to think than have I got enough stock to get me through the next six days? Knowing full well I can call my I used to operate on this for the longest time. I could call my supply and have whatever stock I wanted the next day. I just wow. and often free, they would ship it to me free. Uh, I didn't even have yeah. to pay for shipping. So I was never incentivized to carry a shed load of stock. Uh yeah. which was just <laughs> That's crazy. It's like a wish from a magic you know, a genie from a magic bottle or something like for anyone. Of, yeah. If you could give grant one wish to Amazon sellers right now, you know, it would be that right. Uh, yeah. Just in time, wasn't it? The Japanese came up with a just in time system. I remember learning about this when I was doing economics at school, the just in time system. And we, I just, I just use that philosophy that obviously doesn't seem to work with Amazon. You can't order today and have it on the shelves tomorrow. Um, so what does the Amazon I assume Amazon has some kind of algorithm and, and what does, how does that work and how does it handle your stock once you, once you have it? Mm -hmm. Badly. <laughs> Fair play. I was just, I, it's a great yeah. way to answer the question. Yeah. So we talked about daily adjusted velocity. They have velocity, daily velocity and they, or, you know, they'll look at that, period of time, they won't factor in stockouts. So it's whatever you sold. So if you stocked out for a week and that was a thousand units, then oh well. So one of the things it they 
And they make recommendations based on this. They say, oh, you should send in this much based on what you sold, not what you could have sold, but mm -hmm. you stocked out based on what you sold. So they don't have a daily adjusted velocity. And that didn't seem to be much of a problem. They would make these recommendations and they had, you know, simple Amazon recommends you send in this, this many units. And that's fine. Most people didn't listen to it or pay attention to it. But when Amazon put these restock limit restrictions where they said you can only sell, send in this many units and once you sell down you can send more in when they put that restriction in the daily the, the daily velocity the, the calculation that they used meant that if you stocked out you might get into a stock out cycle because you'd stock out your limits would would drop then you would be unable to send in what you really needed to get yourself back and rolling again then you would stock out again and it was just this this vicious mm. you know restock uh cycle mm. So they, yeah. so it handles it badly. Yeah. So this is yeah. again why you would manage this separately. So you you're in much better control of your stock. I think I I get why people would would think that Amazon would know the right answer. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. if you're if you're selling something on Amazon and Amazon say says to you, I recommend that you send us a thousand widgets this week. Mm -hmm. My brain would go, they probably know what they're talking about just because it's Amazon. But the reality of it is they they probably don't. And you need to check it out for yourself, uh, I think yeah. is what I'm hearing. Yeah, so it's it's important to, for people to understand. And most of the time, people don't realize Amazon has different types of sellers that are selling. So we have private label sellers. They're the only ones who are selling that product. But then you have other sellers who are selling other people's brands and there are multiple sellers on that listing. So if you stock out, you're like, oh, well, he stocked out. It doesn't really matter to me. I shouldn't give him more limits because maybe he was just going to sell that and then get rid of it. Or, you know, there are other people that are selling this product as well. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. They don't really expect because, because one day someone could drop their price and you were selling you know, five units a day of this product. And all of a sudden you sell zero because this other guy is now mm -hmm. selling the product. He's, he's winning what we call winning the buy box. If so, they, there's that whole competitive side of things where they're not going to say, well, if you had lowered your price, like this other guy did, you should, you know, you would have sold more. So we're going to let you have more space. So it's the other types of selling on Amazon that make it so that Amazon doesn't want to give you the benefit of the doubt of how much you would have sold with, with, uh, if there wasn't yeah. a stock out of yeah. sales. Yeah, and you see now you put it like that, that makes total sense. That makes yeah. total sense. Um, one of the questions then that we've been asked is um, how would you, how should we structure our business to make sure we are covered with all of this? So if you are, I guess, mm -hmm. let me put, let's do, let's do a couple of different scenarios. Uh, when I was uh, on the ambulances years ago, we love scenarios. You know, you, you you get put in a scenario and you, I want to see how you respond. So scenario number one, um, I am just starting out. I've got my I've got my brand new vitamin company, which I think is awesome. I'm going to sell these on Amazon. How would you how, what kind of advice, what kind of structure would I think about for a new guy starting out? Mm hmm. So new people starting out, um, they have the ability to send in up to a thousand units. So they just start their, their account brand new. They, if they just wanted that one product, they could send all thousand units in there if they wanted to. They might get you know storage fees if they're not able to move it. So it might make sense to 
um, you could either send it in. Probably the cheapest thing would be to send it in if you truly believe that you can move enough inventory, uh, which we always started out with a thousand units. So we would send it in, drive sales, get that product selling, but be paying very, very close attention because if that stock that sells out in three months and is extremely successful, you, you need to have ordered, you know, two months ago. Mm-hmm. So it's putting all the inventory in. If some people like to launch selling multiple different products at the same time, I think you need to, you know, start with one, really solidify that. But again, oh, hang on. Watching. That's interesting. So I've got here a, an omega-3 and I've got here a multivitamin, right? So I manufacture yeah. both. But actually, I should just start with my hero product, which is this one. Get this established and then bring this one into the party. Is that what I just heard? Yes, because you're wanting to learn how to sell on Amazon. So you don't want to repeat your mistakes across a large catalog. You want to make all the mistakes that you make and find the formula for doing well. You know, what what are the images that work? What are the was the copywriting that works? What ads work? Finding all of that and not spreading yourself too thin, but figuring out the best way that works for you mm-hmm. to get to a successful selling product and then rinse and repeat. Okay. That's interesting. So, so scenario number one, that's that's what I'm doing. Scenario number two um, is I'm a slightly bigger company than one guy, right? Um, and I've got uh, a successful online business. I have, um, I'm just using my props here, Chelsea, excuse me. I've got multiple yeah. products now, which I and I sell these online and I, I ship them all around the world, but I don't actually sell on Amazon, okay? Mm-hmm. What does that person do? Yeah. Um, I would say this, the same thing, probably find someone who knows how to run Amazon because Amazon is different than anywhere else. And we see a lot of big brands who, who say, oh, well, we'll just put it on Amazon and it'll start selling. And usually it will start selling if it's a recognized brand, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it will start selling because people are typing in the brand name. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen people who Oh, it's selling really well because everyone's searching my brand. Yeah, but you're not getting any new customers. You're just getting your old customers to buy on a different platform and giving money away to Amazon while you're at it. Mm -hmm. So that's not the best approach. The best approach is, okay, let's see. Find someone who knows what they're doing and then gradually roll out your your line based on what's going to be the most effective in the market. We say, look at what we have available to sell and let's do research to see, you know, based on competition and keywords and, you know, opportunity within kind of the niche keywords, longer tail keywords, as we call them. Um, what, what do we think can be the most successful or do the best for us first and create a plan to figure out a rollout on that and then start launching um, launching that rollout, making sure that whoever you have in charge of Amazon does really know what what they're doing. And again, if you're moving into a brand new account on Amazon, even if you're a bigger company, you still have only a thousand units. So you need to then build up that sales velocity. It'd be better for you to send in the one from an inventory perspective. It'd be better to send the one product if you think it's going to take off and build up the sales quickly so that you can uh, increase that restock limit. And then once that restock limit is in, is starting to grow, the amount of inventory you can then starting to grow, then you can add another product um, and so forth. So yeah, there's a sort of a crossover here, isn't there? The, 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 the startup yeah. guy, you're learning it yourself. 
uh, me with all my products here, I'm actually bringing somebody in. Is that something I should outsource to an, uh, to somebody or is that someone I'm, I'm looking to hire full time? I mean, it, it depends. I mean, if you, if you wanted to learn Amazon, you know, you could learn Amazon. You don't necessarily have to outsource it. It just depends on your company structure. You should follow and study the right people and not rely on, well, we'll just put up a listing because that's what happens. You just put up a listing and it's going to work. And it works to some degree, and it, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, in terms of whether you hire, you know, you outsource or you hire someone inside, can you afford to hire someone inside? Um, to and, and can you get him to do work full time or whatever it is you're going to hire him for? Is it cheaper to outsource it and to pay someone uh, who has a company who has other people that he's working with? Mm-hmm. Is it cheaper to go with the with that method. So it just depends on, on what your budget is, I guess. And um, well, I guess uh, maybe an, an, another way to phrase that question was if I was going to hire somebody, is there enough work for a full-time role? Um, if, if I was going to do that, I imagine there is, especially if I wanted to do Amazon, say in the States, Amazon in the UK, Amazon in Germany, Amazon, you know, Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think so. We, when we started our business, there was definitely enough work because you're going to have to pay attention to the inventory, to the ads, to the, you know, getting the um, listing set up and created. There's always tweaks that can be done. There's always stuff to do. And then answering the customer service emails. There's a lot. It is a full business, you know, business in a box, I guess. That's fascinating. Absolutely yeah. fascinating. It's, um, it really intrigues me um, that the whole story of Amazon and how it's all evolving and how it's all sort of working. If you were to put your um, your futurist hat on or look into your crystal ball or an angel comes with a picture of what it's going to look like in five years time, what do you, what do you, what do you see? Yeah. For e-com, what, honestly, what I see is, we need to learn the other side of the business. We've been marketers for a long time and it's finally catching up to a lot of entrepreneurs that not knowing the other side of the business and by other side, I mean um, the supply chain, the inventory, the logistics, the uh, cash flow portion, that side of the business that we have wanted to kind of like cover our eyes and pretend didn't exist. And we were just lucky to be profitable because it was such a golden age for Amazon, for e-com. We are now seeing how not understanding those things is extremely costly. And um, so I think that in the next five years, people are gonna become a lot smarter. Mm-hmm. I personally am focusing 2022 on educating people on recovering profit within their supply chain. We had, um, you know, everyone's going through a third-party warehouse. And so you have all these additional fees. You have, I did a whole uh, reworking of the cartons for a product of mine. The My freight forwarder to, who is shipping said, it doesn't matter what, what weight it is. I'm going to charge you 12 units, minimum 12 or 12 kilograms per, per carton. And we were selling at 7.7 kilograms. So we were going to be losing uh, $6,000 $6, a month on just one product simply because it was underweight. So mm. they've been tra- starting to charge weight fees. And then we reboxed it and we had, instead of 24 units, we had 40 units uh, per carton. And you have something called carton, uh, carton handling fees. 
$3.60 for, per carton. So now that we have 40 units per carton, we're saving money on every single unit, save six, $600 a month with the weight fees and the carton unit optimization. It was like $82,000 in savings. This is, there's thousands, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars to be regained throughout mm. carton optimization, pallet optimization, container optimization, container mapping, which means that you put, okay, this product goes here, this product goes here, and the they load it in an optimized fashion. And then that map is received at your warehouse and your warehouse owner can, can open up the back of the truck and, or the back of the container and unload it in order. Some of these guys, they get containers where the products are all over the place and they have to basically sort them. And it takes hours to sort out what is what, but when they have this map, they pull everything out. Uh, my, my, uh, my third party warehouse was able to, in some cases, they, they cut down their labor to two hours unloading a full carton. Wow. or container. Mm. Yeah. Just these types of things that, you know, the charges that are adding up and people are making mistakes and costing themselves so much money just because they don't know that side of the business. It's not getting easier for us on this side of the business. It's getting more competitive. There's more restrictions on Amazon. We need to get better at this side of the business. The The margin pressure that we have experienced lately has been due to, sorry, due to the fact that we we haven't been ready for this mm. and now it's time to recover that. So I see within the next five years, um, some smart, you know, some smart conversations about this, really understanding these types of things and smart tools. Like, you know, one of the things that we're focusing on is kind of in that area as well. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. uh, we've not really touched on your uh, software or what it does just uh, for those that are listening and, and, and think actually, um, or operating in this space. Just what's the quick sort of elevator pitch on, on what you guys do? Sure. Yeah. Um, so the software essentially it took. There's this whole idea that a software is smarter than than a, a per, or an algorithm is smarter than a person. But if you don't know what goes into that formula, mm-hmm. you're not going to trust it. And so you had all these softwares that were saying, you know, trust us. Here's your magic number. Just trust us. And people couldn't trust the number because they couldn't figure it out. So they went back to spreadsheets. So we took the concept of what's working with spreadsheets, what's not working with spreadsheets. How can we build something that you understand that operates like a spreadsheet, but is more automated? And then you can also plug in your marketing plans. Because the other thing that these other softwares weren't doing was letting us plug our marketing plans into our inventory plans, which is huge because, you know, it's the same thing with Amazon. Amazon doesn't, doesn't know that I'm going to do an email campaign to my list to push this product, you know? Um, so it helps you to do all that and to plan out an entire year for every single product to keep track of, you know, uh, what do I have to, to order? Creating the PO with a click of a button, you could create a PO from each of your suppliers to order your product. And then it would, it would be tracked based on your lead time to so that you know which stage am I at? When can I expect to ship that product? When can I expect it to ri- arrive at my warehouse? Am I going to have to slow down my my advertising because it's running low? I have five days, five days stock out. Can I do something marketing wise to say maybe lower my ad spend to avoid that stock out? Mm-hmm. You know those types of things that just give you a an overhead view and a very granular view 
at the same time of all of the inventory and where it's going and and what you need to know act to actionably um, handle, you know, from the inventory perspective and the marketing perspective. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Chelsea, listen, uh, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your wisdom. Uh, I definitely learned a lot today uh, and a great way, I think, to close out this season on the podcast. So thank you for being uh, a guest on today's show. If people want to reach out to you, they're listening to the show or watching maybe via YouTube or Facebook, how do they reach hold of, How do they reach out to you? How do they get hold of you? What's the best way to do yeah. that? Yeah, just sostock.com forward slash connect. All of my socials are on there. My email, you can check out the software. I do webinars. So uh, everything is there. Awesome. Sostock.com forward slash connect. Is that right? Yep. Awesome. And of course, we will put a link to Chelsea and that website in the show notes as well. So if you're a regular and you get the show notes, we'll add the links and you can check those out as well. Uh, but uh, Chelsea, from me to you, thank you so much for being with us. Genuinely, really appreciate it. Really appreciate your value uh, and what you brought to the show. So thanks. Uh, thanks for being with us. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Wasn't Chelsea great? Oh, I feel like I, I, I always feel like this um, whenever you've got had a great guest on. There's there's so many questions I, I you you want to ask. I've got pages of questions and you're just like, I've only got a certain amount of time. So uh, uh, if you're like me and you've got any more questions, I dare say Chase will uh, more than happily help you try and find the answer. So do reach out to her. Um, and as I said, all of the links to Chelsea, all of the show notes, transcript, all of that sort of stuff, uh, you can access for free uh, at ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 79 uh, and you'll be able to get all of that information. No problem at all. As I said at the start of the show, this is the last episode of season seven. Can you believe it? It just feels like yesterday this whole thing started and we are just about to start out season eight at the beginning of 2022. There are some changes coming, which I'm stoked about because every season we try and make this uh, whole thing uh, better. You know, you try and improve it and roll it out. And so we've got some new stuff coming in season eight. So if you're not a regular to the show, make sure you are subscribed to us so that when we launch season eight, you will be the first to know all of this content is delivered to you free of charge. And wherever you get your podcast from, you should find us there. Uh, so just subscribe to the podcast or follow us on Facebook or on YouTube uh, so that when we go live and we put this stuff out there, you can also join in the conversation. Why not have a go? See what happens, as they say. Uh, but yeah, that's it from me. Thank you so much for being with us during season seven. Uh, I look forward to seeing you again in season eight. Uh, in the meantime, I hope your Black Friday goes super well. Uh, if you're selling online, uh, I hope your Christmas sales go super well and that maybe just maybe during in the festive season you get time to relax uh, so you come back keen and eager to rock and roll in the new year which is when we'll be back uh, to chat to you then in the meantime i'm going to go away and we're going to get our head down and ready for black friday uh, and sort that whole thing out so remember me in your prayers. That's all I'm asking. Anyway, <laughs> that's it for now. Uh, bless you. Have a great time, uh, like I say, over the holiday season, and we'll see you in 2022. Bye for now. You've been listening to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson. Join us next time for more interviews, tips, and tools for building your business online.